Retailers are starting to drop physical releases from their stores, which is a nightmare for game preservation. Plus, an impactful game not many people played was delisted, meaning even less people will play it now. Tonight is February 4th, 2024, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say, uh, even if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So, video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy O'Kay says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore. What would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. That's right. It's me. Twice, two weeks in a row, and then I'll skip next week. I'm getting really good at this attendance thing, aren't I? Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss news affect, uh, about the video game industry uh, and affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminiscing about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. For joining us here live, thank you so much for being here. We do tape this show almost each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, here at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. Come join us and interact with the show directly, but we are a podcast uh, and so if you're listening to us sometime during the week, we do have a Discord server where you can talk back and interact with the show that way. Vognetwork.com slash Discord is where you can get the invite, and you'll actually see uh, us posting things throughout the week. Uh, you can suggest topics that we may want to cover. Um, somebody had asked, uh, I believe Tiger Claw asked in Discord if I would be wearing an Apple Vision Pro headset while doing the show tonight and uh, did not send me the $4,000 needed to purchase said headset. So the answer was no. I decided not to. Uh, I do know that it's out. Uh, I do know that there's a lot of people with opinion pieces on it, uh, people who have uh, not used it, people who have used it. Uh, I do not have one. I do not have uh, the desire to get one today. Uh, that does not mean never, ever. And I know I've done a lot of VR stuff before, and I know it's kind of the new hotness VR device. But... Uh, I, I have not gotten one, and I have also not really watched those. Uh, the, a lot of the the in-depth like reviews or anything like that, because uh, it sounds like it's kind of in the same boat as PlayStation VR Two is. Uh, great tech, where's the software? So uh, it's uh, and, and uh, Pop Culture asks, where would Bobby put the googly eyes? I mean, that's the real reason I'm not getting the Apple Vision Pro. It's because there's nowhere to put the googly eyes. So uh, Fifth Dream says, so Apple finally invented VR. Yes, actually, that is the thing. Apple finally invented VR this week. It finally came out. And so now the VR revolution can finally begin. So thank you so much, Apple, for inventing VR for the rest of us. Uh, now it's it's going to be a thing. You're going to start seeing. And, and actually, I'm, this is actually like I'm being facetious about Apple inventing VR. Uh, but in a way, Apple kind of does this with technology. Uh, and so I actually do believe that now with Apple putting all of their marketing muscle behind the Vision Pro, that we will, and as as the tech gets cheaper, uh, you know, the next Vision Pro that comes out next year uh, will make this iteration cheaper. Uh, we'll start to see more people, more other developers and other publishers making things for Vision Pro that they can then port to PlayStation VR 2 or MetaQuest 3, or even PC VR. Let's go crazy here. Uh, and, you know, so I think 
Apple deserves credit for finally being here. So congratulations to them. Um, You know, the first iPhone wasn't that great either. Uh, It really wasn't until the third or fourth iPhone that it became really like this ubiquitous thing that the lay person had. iPhone one was really just hardcore tech enthusiasts and it didn't do as much. So, uh, you know, this is the first iteration, uh, but Apple invents technologies that have existed, but they make it cool. And where that phrase that I always say come from is because I look at the tablet computer. Tablet computers have existed for a while. Uh, Microsoft had the Surface tablet in the late 90s. Bill Gates held up a Surface tablet at like Comdex 1999 or something like that. And everybody kind of laughed at him. It was it had touchscreen. Uh, you could have a keyboard with like it was it was what we're used to today with with tablet computers. Uh, and he had one in the 90s and everybody laughed at him. Steve Jobs holds up an iPad eight years later and it's considered a technological breakthrough. It's considered, you know, game changer and all that stuff. Uh, Apple didn't invent the tablet computer. Apple, in the in the traditional sense, Apple invented it in the public consciousness. People had never thought of using a tablet computer until Steve Jobs held up the iPad, even though tablet computers had existed. Smartphones with touchscreens had existed before the iPhone. I actually had one. I had a Windows Mobile 5 phone, uh, and that existed before the iPhone did. And, but nobody wanted those because those were more like what PDAs, personal data assistants. Um, but uh, Apple made it popular in the public consciousness, which drove development, which then led to Android and, you know, Samsung Galaxy tablets and, and all that stuff. So Apple invented it in the public consciousness and other people piled on. Now that Apple has finally invented VR and AR, augmented reality, uh, now maybe we will start seeing over the next couple of years more things piling on and more things coming for, say, the MetaQuest line or even PC VR or PlayStation VR 2. Podcoach says they don't invent, they just refine the hell out of it. Um, and Tiger Claw says hopefully the next version of the Vision Pro doesn't require the battery pack and it's built into the headset. Here's the thing about that. Um, you have to deal with the laws of physics. Okay. Unfortunately, as good as Apple is, they cannot change the laws of physics. And in order to power something like that, you need stuff to get for that power. And that is heavy. That power, the the amount of power needed to generate what the Apple Vision Pro can do needs basically heftiness. And you don't want that on your head. I promise you, you do not want something that heavy attached to your head. You want it in your pocket. I promise you. And as Sharon Man also says that Apple also over-engineers stuff as well, but that's beside the point. It, engineering is hard. Like, if you haven't been in an engineering room, uh, it's very easy to criticize. And it's there's a lot of people that will do that. They're like, well, I'm not an engineer, but it seems like this should be easy. You know, like, I'm sure somebody out there was thinking... I don't know anything about battery technology, but it should be really easy to get all the battery technology needed for the headset in the headset for the Apple Vision Pro to work. Uh, it, it's not. It It's not. It is probably really close to rocket science, if not actually rocket science. Because 
that's half of what rocket science is, is how do we get all the energy we need to make the rocket go without blowing it up? It's the same type of deal. How do you get that much power into what needs to be attached to your head without either blowing up the headset or blowing or, or making the headset just too heavy for you? Uh, so Tyclaw says, knowing Apple, they tend to change the laws of physics with each iteration of the iPhone, or the same can be said with this. Apple has never, ever changed the laws of physics. Maybe to you as an outsider, they've changed the laws of physics, but they have never, ever, I promise you, they have never changed the laws of physics. Because if they had people that could change the laws of physics, they wouldn't be working on iPhones. They would be doing something uh, more shady with governments and militaries. I promise you. And uh, Zen Monkey 11 says, I can't wait to travel downtown and see all the rich people walking around with the snow goggles. People have started doing that uh, because it's, it's it, theoretically it's AR goggles, but I think it is still a VR headset and it just has really good cameras. But uh, don't, don't do that. And even Apple says don't do that. But, you know, people don't listen to Apple. And Esther and Matt does say uh, the Vision Pro already weighs about one and a half iPads, so kind of heavy at the moment, and it'll get better over time. Remember, that doesn't have the battery. This will be the worst Vision Pro Apple ever puts out. It will get better as long as Apple sticks with it and continues to evolve it and tech gets better. And that's 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 where I'm at. So am I going to have a Vision Pro right now? No. Am I going to have it this year? Probably not. Will I try one this year? I don't know. I do have friends that have Vision Pro that have a Vision Pro. Uh, am I going to be allowed to touch it? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and Tiger Law says it's for early adopters. It's for early adopters and for developers because Apple wants to uh, get more software because the biggest problem with PlayStation VR 2 right now is it's a great piece of hardware. Nobody's making software for it anymore. No, nobody, nobody substantial is making software for it anymore. Apple wants developers to be making substantial software. And it was the same way with the actual App Store when they finally announced the App Store with iOS 3.0. Uh, because in I, the first iterations of the iPhone and the iPod Touch, uh, you couldn't load apps on it. You had to jailbreak it. And you would sideload apps that you would, you know, cobble together. And so they wanted to get people to start making uh, apps for the iPhone. And, and then people bought the iPhone because... There's an app for that. You remember that? Uh, Zemonkey11 says, I don't know if the video is real, but they have a video of some old dude driving and using that Vision Pro. It's scary. Uh, it's It might be real, but you shouldn't do that. Like, it's, there are, like, an old dude will do it because they don't, they think it's going to be fine because it's Apple. Um, there's still latency involved because it's not a pass-through. It's not like the HoloLens or the Tilt 5 goggles that I've shown here where it literally is just like glass and you're seeing the outside. The Vision Pro is actually using cameras to take the outside and it's showing them to you in your headset. So please don't drive with it on. Don't walk down the street with it on. I mean, I know nobody here is going to listen. Uh, I mean, nobody here has an Apple Vision Pro. But if you ever have one, uh, don't do that because it's not. It's, it doesn't work the way you think it does. And S. Jerry Matt says the original iPhone had six hours of battery life and ran poorly on some networks. The Vision Pro will get better. So that's all we're going to talk about with the Vision Pro. Uh, I am moving on from the topic. Uh, but uh, if you have one, let me know what it's like. I I'd rather hear from people that I know rather than reading like various YouTubers and stuff uh, say what they want. Um, 
So I do want to mention something that was kind of interesting that uh, I went to and what I learned this week. It's it's, it's about gaming. It's about uh, it, it's about what's what is termed as a third space. Now, let me kind of explain what a third space is to you, because this is kind of a, it's like an urban planning tool, a community organizing tool. It's, it's, it's a term for that. So a third space is a place that you can go that is either not your home and not your work. And I know some of you are like, I don't ever want to leave home, period, paragraph, end of story. So this story is not about you. But there, we used to all the time, back in the old days, and I'm talking like even probably before I was born, uh, which was 29 years ago, obviously, uh, you would have where you live and where you sleep. You would have where you work, and then you would have a third space. It could be a park. Uh, it could be, you know, the soda shop back in the forties and fifties or the diner or, uh, you know, in the, in the eighties and nineties, it might've been the mall, but it was a third space for you to go. That was not home and it was not work. Um, and you know, for adults, a lot of times it's a bar, you know, something that involves drinking and that's where you go hang out with your friends. Um, we have eliminated a lot of the third spaces, except especially for younger kids. Bars still exist, but that's about it. But we had arcades in the 80s and the 90s, uh, for, for half the 90s, really. Um, we had, you know, like I could go to the mall. When I was a teenager, I went to the mall with my friends. And we just, like, hung out. And, you know, we, we didn't necessarily buy anything. But we would be at the mall. Um, now, in 2024, there are malls out there that have signs and says that nobody under 18 can be at the mall unless accompanied by an adult. And if there are a group of teenagers that go to the mall, there is a higher chance that one of the other patrons of the mall will contact mall security and mall security will come up Paul Blart style on a Segway and, you know, kindly ask them to either, you know, shop or leave. And because uh, uh, there are people out there that see a group of teenagers as, quote unquote, up to no good, maybe because they as a teenager were up to no good. So they assume every teenager is up to no good. Uh, and so we are routinely taking away third spaces from younger generations. But even there aren't that many as an adult anymore either. And... This is why, if you are an, an adult of you know and have probably have kids and wondering why are kids spending so much time on their screens, they're spending time on their screens instead of being outside. No, they're spending time on their screen because there's nowhere for them to go. Where are they going to go? They're going to go outside. Where? Because we also tell them that if they go too far, they're going to get abducted. So where are they going to go? Well, what's actually what's now coming back into into play is a term called eatertainment. So instead of entertainment, it starts with eat. And what this idea is, is that it would be a restaurant that also has an experience, an entertainment thing. Uh, and so we've seen a lot of these with like, some of them will have an axe throwing area, which is the new darts, is just throwing bludgeoning axes at things. And... You, uh, or, you know, a place like, you know, a Top Golf or a cart racing type of thing. 
uh, but you're, you're, you start seeing more of those places that have mini golf, like cosmic mini golf as part of their, you can go eat and drink and then go do this thing or bowling alleys and arcades are now coming back and they're coming back as entertainment. And there was actually one that showed up, uh, kind of near my house and, I am start and what I was reading about is uh that this arcade place it's a it's a concept of a kind of like it's a restaurant chain around here the restaurant chain's named Tin Lizzie's and I don't think it's outside of the Atlanta area I honestly didn't look I know they've got a ton of locations in the area uh but it's like it's got like cool like street tacos street style tacos and stuff it's a lot, a lot of cool tacos and stuff so great place big you know, also alcohol related but they decided that they were going to open up an arcade right next to their restaurant. And so like you could even get there from the restaurant, like the doors open. It's, it's basically the spot right next door. And they opened up the first concept of it because they want to start putting this in all of their restaurants because that will bring more people to them. And I think it is an amazing idea. It is, it was called, it's called 10 pin video arcade. And what they actually have is uh, they've got like 10 pinball machines uh, and it's not free play. It's like $1 per play. And you, they've got the little swipe cards, like six or seven arcade machines, including like an original street fighter too. Like it's got a bad CRT monitor. So, you know, it's legit, uh, but you know, and, and, and stuff. So, and these are starting to open up more and more. There are more and more places that have an arcade that you can play games at as well as dr- eating and drinking. And this one's not locked to 21 and up. There were several kids in there. Um, but you can eat and you can drink. I'd only drink soda. I didn't drink a beer when I was there. Uh, and it was, uh, it was, uh, what's, it's kind of the new trend of what we're finding and what people are trying. So why I'm telling you that is if you see a place like this open up, uh, patronize it because I would love to see things like that. This come back for adults, but also for the next generation. This gets kids off their screens. Dark to see says, I think Dave and Buster's has an ax throwing thing like that at home at some locations. So I guess that's the thing now. Dave and Buster's also has always been an entertainment venue, but now we're finding people uh, like places that are traditionally restaurants and bars adding something else. So people come to experience the place instead of just uh, eating and drinking there which I am I am a fan of. Uh, Pod Culture says we have that here, Rec Bar 502 and Rec Bar 812, uh, which are local area codes, are things like that. Um, Groove is for life, saying, honestly, I've been trying to find a decent third space. I mean, same. Like, I'm, you know, and, and I am not a huge drinker. And the thing about a thir- most third spaces as an adult is it's a bar. And I'm not a huge drinker. Also, like a coffee shop can be a third space uh, for some people. Uh, But I don't drink coffee either. And that's a personal problem with me. But, uh, you know, I'd love to see more of these things come around. uh, And more of these these places. Because 
you know, pinball is coming back into popularity, which I love. I'm so happy. And all the pinball machines they had at this place were modern Sterns. They were like the oldest pinball machine they had was Ghostbusters, which was the Stern machine from 2012. So they don't have your 90s. They don't have anything else like that. Uh, but they a lot of them had the Stern Insider Connected. So I got a whole bunch of stuff for my uh, Insider Connected account. But I, I'm starting to see more of these come come up. And I think that we need to... Uh, we, we should patronize them when they are, even if it's a little bit of a drive, make the drive out a couple times, well, or at least once. And if you like it, then make a drive out a couple times. If you don't like it, then don't go back. Fifth Room says, back in my day, we went to bars and clubs, but to watch bands. And there's still that. Um, live music is still a thing. Um, I don't see it all that often, but I'm also not in a club-heavy area. Um Questbush says, I'd like to see something like this come back, too. I think the last entertainment spot I went to was a refurbished Gameworks near Vegas that had a food area and a bunch of arcade games and even a console area, but it didn't survive the pandemic. Hot Pocketry says, if they have skee-ball, I'm in. This place specifically doesn't have skee-ball, but there's other like arcade venue-type places nearby, uh, at least in my area, that do have skee-ball. So they, they kind of have that type of stuff. I love this, and I would love to see these type of things come back because especially for the younger generation, uh, as much as it sucks as an adult have to share around with kids. Uh, but it's fine because I want them to grow up with the third spaces I had as a kid, because I had arcades as a kid, I could go to the mall as a kid and they can't do that as much. And the reason they're on their screens is because we don't let them. Uh, Zen monkey 11 says, I want Elton John singing pinball wizard live when I'm playing pinball. Uh, that was the who, not Elton John, but I get it. But that that's the who. That wasn't Elton John. So let's talk about some of the news uh, that's happened this week. Uh, and and uh, I, I'm not talk, like I'm not going to talk about the big rumor uh, regarding Xbox right now. Uh, there's a big rumor, and I'll, I'll kind of just like mention it and stuff that Xbox might be looking at taking some of its titles and putting them on PlayStation. So a lot of there's a lot of discourse about that rumor that they haven't officially announced. They if they officially announce it in the spring, then we'll talk about it. Um, but let's talk about um, ha- game preservation and something that I am sad to see, even though most people here probably don't care or are okay with this. Kotaku reports that um, preservation is a nightmare in the game industry, especially as some 87% of retro games are swiftly vanishing with the passing of time, and many recent games get unceremoniously killed off for reasons. Um, It seems things may only get worse before they get better, as there are now indications that some European retail stores are no longer stocking their shelves with physical Xbox games due to low sales. During a conversation between GamesIndustry.biz editor-in-chief James Batchelor and the site's head Chris Dring on a January 30th episode of the Games Industry Microcast podcast, uh, Dring was asked his thoughts on Microsoft's latest round of layoffs of the nearly 2,000 workers cut from the company on January 25th. We talked about it last week. Were folks reportedly responsible for bringing Xbox games to physical retail? Dring gave his two cents on the dilemma, stating that several retailers just aren't selling Xbox discs anymore. Uh, He says, quote, so I was told by a major publisher just before Christmas that across Europe, several retailers have started just not listing Xbox games. Uh, So they've stopped stocking Xbox games because Xbox is such a digital console now that the physical performance of Xbox games is really low. And ultimately, when you're selling a console that most people are just downloading games for, it really doesn't benefit the retailer very much. The margin on software 
or a margin on hardware is often very small. I wasn't able to corroborate that. I couldn't find which retailers there are, but there is a proper senior European publishing boss that said that to me. So I wouldn't be surprised if some of this is Xbox pushing away from physical. But actually, I don't think physical retailers are going to care. You know, they might sell controllers and things like that. But ultimately, Xbox is so digital. When you think of PC and mobile being the digital dominant, dominant Xbox isn't that far behind anymore, unquote. Why I don't like this is because it's fine right now, but it's going to suck in 15 to 20 years. I can still play games that I bought a while ago on Xbox 360 uh, and I can, I can, you know, you can still get a lot of great games on Xbox 360 through the used market. So, like, if I sit here and tell you how amazing of a racing game Blur was for the Xbox 360, which, by the way, is now owned by Microsoft, that that franchise, um, you can go find Blur, uh, and you've got to find an Xbox 360 because it's not backwards compatible with the Xbox One, uh, but you can still get it because it was sold physically, and the disc is still out there. I've got the disc behind me on the shelf. And you can still play it 20-something years later. Disc, disc rot notwithstanding. Like, disc rot may, may take that away. But generally, you can still have the chance to play it. When something is digital only, when it's gone, it's gone. Just ask anybody who liked any of the games that were on the DSi. Uh, or the 3DS that were digital only. So having them physical means that you can play them and other people can in, can enjoy them later on because frankly everything goes out of print there are only x amount of legitimate copies of nintendo cartridges in the world there are only a fine there are a finite number of pokemon cartridges that are legitimate out there in the world but they're more than zero. There's a good number of them, whereas a game that's digital only, once they stop selling it, there are no more for you to get. Whereas a physical game, you have the backlog of, of used inventory that's all around uh, because they do eventually stop selling them. Like They will only actually like print new copies of the game for a physical release for like a year or two. And basically that year or two is the actual amount of product that is out in the world. Tarkla asks, can video games enter the public domain? Yes, they can. 95 years after they came out. In fact, I believe it was Fifth Dream who made a joke on Blue Sky, and I'm sorry if I'm calling you out, because uh, like somebody had posted something about, like it was a joke about Lemons, but it showed like it was really scary Pac-Man. And he's like, when does Pac-Man enter the public domain? Because this is the horror movie I want, because it's a really, like, cursed image. And uh, it's uh, 2075. So Pac-Man enters the public domain in 2075. That's not the first video game, but you're looking at more like maybe 2065 is when, like, computer space will enter the public domain. And 2070 might be when Pong enters the public domain. Uh, and all that stuff. So, yes, they can enter the public domain. It's just 95 years later after they came out. So, something came out in 1980, like Pac-Man, 2075. Uh, but we don't have 
a lot of the digital only stuff. So it doesn't matter if they're in the public domain. We just don't have it anymore. S. Sharon Matt says Microsoft wants to have a direct consumer approach where folks can download a Game Pass app on their TV and play certain games. It's going that way with most media. We wanted the a la carte approach in lieu of paying for cable. Yeah, we, we got that. S. Sharon Matt also says folks don't like playing for all the streaming services now. They're, here's the problem. You can't trust the, any, any of the corporations. And we've been seeing this especially on, on you know streaming services that they just take things off. You can't trust them. Do you want to watch the uh the the uh willow series that i mean it wasn't that great but do you want to watch it too bad you can't anymore they never released it in physical they took it off the streaming service that you paid for it's gone and hey you know there's a game that came out uh 12 years ago that not many people bought that's going away and it kind of sucks now, I think this one you can find physical releases somewhere for the Xbox 360, but that's about it. PC Gamer reports that highly regarded third-person military shooter Spec Ops The Line has uh, have been removed from sale on Steam and other digital storefronts, and nobody seems to know why. We know why now, but when this article originally came out, we didn't. Uh, even the game's designer and director. So Spec Ops The Line came out in 2012. Uh, did I play it? No. Have I heard about it? Yes. It, it did not sell well at all. It was a commercial failure. It was a decent third-person military shooter dropped in amongst games like Modern Warfare 3, Black Ops 2. Nobody was going to get it because it was Call of Duty. But the story of it knocks you over the head. It's a Heart of Darkness-style road to hell that dives headlong into the horrors of war and the trauma it inflicts on soldiers and civilians. With moments that make Modern Warfare 2's infamous No Russian level look almost quaint. It basically says, war is terrible and you shouldn't be playing video games glorifying war. But it starts off just like any other rah-rah military shooter like Call of Duty. And then it kind of just slowly brings suckers you in. It's It's a masterclass. Like, even though I've never played it, I've watched part of it, I've read about it and all that stuff, and it's just it's a third-person military shooter, which is not my bag. It was not entirely successful in its ambitions because the linear nature of the narrative takes some vital moments of choice out of the player's hands. Um, and uh, But it is undeniably an important video game. After all, we're still talking about it. Like, I still... some Spec Ops The Line shows up in conversations that I've had once every couple months. Questbush says, Spec Ops The Line story is pretty incredible. This is a game where getting to the ending is absolutely worth the effort. Um, anyway, the bottom line is that it's good. And if you're into military shooters, uh, you should play it. But uh, it's no longer available. Uh, so the delisting was noticed. Uh, and then it was also removed from other uh, other things. And when this was posted, it was still on GOG. It was still on Humboldt. They're gone from there now. Um, the, uh, designer and director, Corey David was taken by surprise. He said, quote, makes no sense, especially because the themes portrayed in spec ops, the line are more relevant now than ever. Why has this happened? Unquote. We do know why, um, expiring music licenses, which is going to be a running theme. Uh, there's quite a bit of licensed music in spec ops soundtrack from artists, including Jimi Hendrix, deep purple, Martha and the Vandellas and Bjork. 
Hendrix's famous rendition of the Star Spangled Banner plays in the background of Spec Ops The Line's menu. In the end, that's what it turned out to be. In a statement provided to PC Gamer, 2K Games rep said Spec Ops The Line, quote, will no longer be available on online storefronts as several partnership licenses related to the game are expiring, unquote. They do continue, quote, players who have purchased the game can still download and play the game uninterrupted. 2K would like to thank our community of players who have supported the game, and we look forward to bringing you more offerings from our label throughout this year and beyond, unquote. This happens all the time with physical copies, except the physical copies still exist, and you can still buy them on third uh, on third party. That's why, like, when a game with licensed music would used to come out in the 90s and the 2000s, they only needed to get the license for like two or three years because they basically only had the license. And that only says you can't sell. You can only sell new copies of this title for two to three years. So they would make all the make all the physical product they wanted in that two to three year window and sell them. And then they could pull the rest off store shelves or do whatever from that. But then those physical copies could still be sold used. We don't have that with digital. So now they have to get maybe 10-year licenses, which is more expensive, keep the game on digital storefronts for 10 years, and then legally they can no longer sell it. And unless you sail the seven seas, you don't have a way of getting it after then. Whereas Spec Ops The Line, I'm you know abs- pretty absolutely certain, certain it had a physical release on Xbox 360. You can go find it in a used store. Now, I don't know how much it's going to cost now, but you can go find it. And you can still get it without having to sail the seven seas. So that's why I was saying earlier, you can't trust the publishers. And I don't think 2K Games maliciously removed Spec Ops the line. Uh, I think they just looked at the numbers and was like, how much would it cost to relicense all this music that was in the game? How much would it cost to patch the game to remove the licensed music? Is it worth it? And the answer is probably no, because not many people bought Spec Ops The Line, and now it's too late. Mike Def says, I played it, couldn't finish it because of a certain part happened, but it is a really good story. That's probably the the thing that they're talking about um, in, in that they were referencing. S. Jeremy Matt says, wasn't there a deal where you got the PS2 network adapter and you got a demo or a copy of Spec Ops? Uh, I vaguely remember that being a thing. I, I did not get that with my network adapter. I think I got Final Fantasy XI, I think, was what was mine. And uh, you, uh, Podculture says, use 360 copies going for more than new MSRP. Because it's gone, like, the now it's rare. It wasn't rare when you could buy it on Steam for four ninety nine, but that's gone now. That's why I mourn the loss of the physical media not just because I have data caps and trust me, I am buying final fantasy seven rebirth on disc. Why? Because I do not want to spend the 200 gigs download that I'm going to need to, because it's on two blu-rays. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to have that data cap, uh, hit on my data cap. Zemmuck 11 said network adapter had to deal with SOCOM. So SOCOM was the one that not, not spec ops because spec ops was very much a single player experience. It was not a multiplayer experience. SOCOM, yeah, that's the one with the network adapter. It's uh, it's going to happen. We are losing physical media, which means also we are going to be smack dab, hit for face first with the you no longer own content. You are licensing the content. You are licensing a right to use the content. Uh, and even if you bought something, you may lose it later. 
And also, there was another story that I didn't cover that, like, there are over 500 game studios right now making live service games, which also, like, those, okay, fine. There's no physical version of it because, man, talk about something that has low, no uh, value once they shut the servers down, like Destiny 1. Like, if I bought Destiny 1 on physical and I can't give it away anymore because it doesn't work anymore. And as Sharon and Matt says, we have places like the Internet Archive that exist for game preservation, but even that won't last forever and has been in trouble recently. The game industry, the the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, you know, the ones that killed that screwed up E3, they are against game preservation. They actually file against libraries and they because they don't want that type of preservation. Uh, They will fight it in court. They have fought the Internet Archive in court. Uh, I don't know if the Internet Archive... They fought museums, like I think the National Museum of Play or uh, you know the Video Game History Foundation. They have fought them in court because they don't want games being preserved in a library. And their actual uh, reason is because like they are all for the academic part of it, but they don't want anybody to have fun playing these games that they did not purchase from the rights holder even and if the rights holder is no longer selling it then too bad um they could at some point in the future and that's what they're trying to preserve but they actually don't want anybody actually having fun which is why they are blocking museums and trying to stop museums from doing this game preservation so i can't count on the internet archive being there i can't count on the video game history foundation being there um, because you have to circumvent the DMCA. You have to break the law for these digital games to be able to get them to be preserved. And the museums were trying to carve out an exception in the DMCA for preservation, and that is what the software industry, the gaming industry, the Entertainment Software Association, which represents the publishers, uh, they are fighting against that. They are actually fighting against circumventing the DMCA to preserve these digital titles. Quest says, my unpatched physical copy of GTA 4 for the PS3 has a different song list from the digital version of GTA 4 when Rockstar patched the expired licenses out. And some some games like Grand Theft Auto, it makes sense to just patch out and change out the music. Uh, Spec Ops The Line probably didn't. It, the, the, they, it didn't make enough money. Uh, where GTA 4, it absolutely does still make much, uh, money. Quest says, future generations don't need to learn where their games came from, the ESA properly... The ESA would rather you just read about it. Honestly, like they'd rather you just read about it and maybe watch some documentaries about it, but actually playing them and actually experiencing them for yourself. No, they, they don't want that. That is why I'm sad about physical going away. I know a lot of people, they love the convenience of digital storefronts. I mean, yeah, it's great uh, for some things, but it, it's great in the short term. For physical or for digital, because like, I mean, hey, you know, I bought, I mean, yes, I bought like a Dragon Infinite Wealth digitally. I did not buy it physically. I did not even, and I got it on Xbox. But the reason I did that was because I got the Xbox and the PC version because it's cross buy. And I got to start it right at midnight, which you can't do with physical because nobody does physical uh, midnight releases anymore because we're such a digital first culture. S. Sharon and Matt says, I was going digital only for a bit, but now I'm going physical on most stuff. I am now starting to do more physical for movies, especially, because we are seeing less and less, and eventually they're going to stop making physical copies of movies, which means you are not going to get to see 
a movie that you really like, uh, there's no guarantee that you'll be able to see it in the future because they delist that stuff and you won't be able, you won't know where it's streaming and you won't be able to get it anywhere. But you know what? If you have it on DVD, you can watch it whenever you want. We are going to take a quick music break and then uh, maybe we'll be taking your calls. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show and the Voice of Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Wait, you don't know Kamoshida? Are you for real? For real? For real? For real? What up, everybody? This is Max Middleman, voice of Saitama and One Punch Man, Ryuji in Persona 5, King in Seven Deadly Sins, and a whole host of other characters. You are participating in the Bobby Black Wolf Show. Get it? For real? For real. For real? For real? For real? Yeah, for real. Questbuster says, dude rocks his Ito in Genshin Impact. Yes, Max Middleman recorded that back in 2019. At Dragon Con. Thank you so much for that. Uh, if you want to leave a bumper, you do not have to be Max Middleman. You do not have to be a, a voice actor in Genshin Impact or Persona 5 or uh, anything like that. All you got to do is contact me, send me an MP3 with just your voice or a video of just your voice, and I will choose what DMCA violation I want to put behind it. Um, so he, here's, uh, and also I will say Persona 3 Reload came out. I haven't had been had a chance to play it yet because I've been playing Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. I'm in Chapter 6 now. I've been playing for 30-something hours. There's 14 chapters. I did. I did unlock the Animal Crossing Island, and I also unlocked the Persona uh, portion of the game. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second because I got some time to talk about it because, unfortunately, I am going to uh, sadly announce... For those, um, for those, uh, for those of you listening live, uh, there will not be an Orange Lounge Radio tonight, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so there are uh, a lot of storms in California uh, going on right now, and there's a lot of wind in California. And uh, the power lines in California, there aren't that many underground power lines in California. So I think you can guess where I'm going with this. Uh, the power went out at Rob's play, Rob Roberts' place. Uh, a couple hours ago. Uh, it is still out. And so uh, they are not going to be doing OLR tonight because uh, there's no power. And no amount of UPSs would fix this. Um, it's not a blip. Uh, the power has been out for several hours now. Uh, and it's probably going to be several more hours before they can get the power restored. Who knows when the power is going to be restored so, unfortunately, there is no Orange Lounge Radio tonight. I will not be here next week because uh, I'm going to be at a party. So, you'll get just OLR. So, you get just me tonight, and then you get just OLR next week because I'm going to be at a party watching uh, television commercials and not uh, a certain pop star in a in a press box. But, uh, so I do want to, to, to say, you know, you know, thoughts are with them. Hopefully, that you stay, they stay safe uh, and all that stuff. But, unfortunately, Rob did have to call the show about 30 minutes ago. Uh, he told me while I was talking. And so we're not going to be actually doing Orange Lounge Radio preview tonight. But so if you want to call in uh, in like for the like the last 10 minutes that we've got here, uh, feel free. What you do is you go into our Discord server, vognumber.com slash Discord. Go into the Green Room voice chat channel, and I'll pull you into a different channel. Uh, and uh, we can talk about stuff. But I will say that I've been continuing with Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. I unlocked the Animal Crossing minigame because it starts at the beginning of Chapter 6. And... 
it's not as like it is very much Animal Crossing and not Animal Crossing. Uh and it, it actually like it reminded me a little bit more of Disney Dreamlight Valley, a little tiny bit, uh, with, with some of the stuff that you do in it. But I was like, okay, I'm not really feeling this for long term. So I did just enough to, you know, get out of that section because it's a mandatory part of the game to get do the little first part of it. But I uh, am kind of not feeling it as much for a long term investment. Uh, but what they basically do is they they it's like it's uh, in the kind of the Harvest Moon slash Stardew Valley day night cycle. So you need to go back home and go to bed. And that recharges things where they made it. Yakuza is that there are enemies that you have to hit with a baseball bat and you can craft yourself a bigger baseball bat and they're going around and you need to defend your, your from your, uh, your Island, your resort Island from these people that are trying to dump garbage, garbage on your, uh, Island. But other than that, it is basically like clearing away land and then you're getting gathering materials. You're hitting, uh, rocks and trees with a baseball bat um, they give you a net and a fishing, uh, fishing pole, Animal Crossing vibes, except they don't actually give you a fishing pole. They give you just like a, a sphere, a spear, not a sphere, but a spear. And you just stab the fish and that you, so there's no actual fishing mini game there. You're stabbing the fish. Uh, and then you can bring people to your Island. You can build shacks and then houses and then furnish houses and you furnish your own house that gives you your health points it's a fully realized mini game like it's its own damn you know probably 20 to 30 hour mini game uh called dodonko island uh and i think it gets you like you can get money and you can get items for the main game it's not like the pokemon thing where you actually have like a character class that directly benefits from you playing through the sujimon which is what they call their pokemon clone uh, which is way more Pokemon than Pal World is. Uh, you, there's actually like a class that you call forward, kind of like the Pokemon trainer in Smash Brothers, where you call forward your Sujimon that you've trained up, and if you if they're a higher level, they give you more stuff. So you can be a very powerful magic class. Um, I don't see that much happening with Dodonko Island or what I can't remember what it's the actual call, but that's close enough to it. The Animal Crossing minigame. Now. What I didn't realize, what nobody talked about, is that there's a whole Persona minigame in there. And not Persona in the sense of capturing uh, Personas, which that is, like, the Sujimon is kind of like, the in, it's, the catch, capturing the Sujimon is a cross between Pokemon and Persona, where you have to, like, give a gift and con- convince them to join up with you. Um, that's kind of taken from the Shin Megami Tensei series, which is another Sega property. But I didn't realize that they basically made, and if you played Persona 5, they made mementos in Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth. The Labyrinth opens up, uh, which now Like a Dragon, Yakuza Like a Dragon also had kind of like a, you know, basically a battle arena where you would go up an elevator and more enemies would come. Uh, In this, it's literally a you go through and you're going down the depths, but it's a procedurally generated dungeon, and you can find people, you find uh, you know enemies through it, and you can also rescue people that have gotten lost in the dungeon. If you've played Persona Five, does this sound familiar? And the dungeon, and it changes every single time the the layout, and it's really mysterious. They play it off as really mysterious, and they're like, that doesn't make any sense, but. 
that's how they describe it. And you keep you go down further and further and further uh, down this thing. It is totally Persona 5's Mementos, Tartarus, whatever you want to call it from a Persona series. And they snuck that into Infinite Wealth and nobody was actually talking about it. And I was like, wait a minute, this this is Persona minus the Personas. Questbuster says, "Yeah, the the dungeon area. I've been farming it. I haven't. I've I've only done as much as the uh the you know the the main story has required me to do it. But that's where I'm going to be farming XP, uh, and stuff. So uh, I am still enjoying Infinite Wealth. Like I said, I'm about thirty something hours into it. I'm in Chapter Six. I did stream uh some of the mini games from Chapter Four. Uh, so you know, like the, I did some Sujimon battles, Pokemon stuff." I did uh, some of the sub-stories, basically didn't touch the main quest. Uh, and then I went back to just playing on my own. I didn't stream it again after that. Um, but uh, I, I am really enjoying it. Persona 3 Reload, apparently, is, you know, people. some people love it. Some people hate it because, you know, they did, you know, remake it. So it's new voice actors. They removed a very problematic scene, which is, you know, quote-unquote censorship. We can't have that. Uh, but uh, I, I've heard that it's, it, it, I've heard that either you love it or you hate it. Um, I haven't, st- I started it just to make sure that because it's on game pass. So I started it and was like, okay, cool. Put in my name, got to the first save point, went back to infinite wealth. As Sharon Matt says, I want to believe that the, uh, Ryu Gakotaku brainstorming session for like a dragon games are like Saturday night live pitch sessions. Uh, just seems like they have a ton of fun coming up with these ideas. I think that's what it is. And it's like, what can we do to, to make this, uh, to what? Honestly, what I think might it, it might be is they probably have like essentially a hackathon. Like I would love to. This, this is true. Um, this is what I would do if I ran a game studio and had like this type of budget to put these weird mini games. So I would have a hackathon where I'm like, everybody, you can pair up and like a game jam is what also we would call it. But like in business world and stuff, we call them hackathons and make something like make a concept, make a proof of concept with a like a small team and then they take all those and they're like what are the best ones and then they refine those so that's probably like i could see that's how like the tinder mini game that's in there came about was because they were like oh like let's make a stupid text messaging mini game and then they make it and they're like okay there's something here let's let's flesh it out Questbuster says, I played the original Persona 3 a while back, and I'm curious about the remake, but that's like another uh, 100-hour investment. Yes, I think it is. I actually don't think Persona 3 is quite as long as the others, but it's still a big time sink. I don't think it's specifically 100 hours. I think Persona 3 is smaller, but you got to remember, Persona 3 Reload is not FES. Uh, There is no definitive version of Persona 3. That's the thing that kind of sucks here is there was Persona 3 on the PlayStation 2. Then there was Persona 3 FES on the PlayStation 2, which was the re, you know, which was a- added the female protagonist with different story links um and and had like the answer I believe. Or no, Persona 3 FES didn't have the female protagonist. It had the answer which was the final dungeon, it was the epilogue. And then Persona 3 Portable added the female protagonist, but didn't include the answer. So you didn't get the epilogue. And Persona 3 Reload is actually a remake of Persona 3. So it doesn't have the female protagonist. It doesn't have the prologue or any of that stuff. So, uh, and Mike Deft even says Persona 3 Reload is, for better or for worse, the same as OG Persona 3. It doesn't have the FES content. It doesn't have the portable content. 
Uh, but it does have the quality of life because the problem with Persona 3 and Persona 3 FES is that you couldn't control your party members like you can in most other turn-based RPGs. So that made the game artificially more hard. It made it harder because the AI is stupid. So you would only have con uh, control over your character, not the other three characters in your party, and they would do dumb things. And it might mean that your party wipes because they're not using their skills to the best effect. Persona 3 Portable introduced you being able to control all your party members. And Persona 3 Reload also has you controlling all the party members. So Persona 3 Reload is actually easier than OG Persona 3 just because you can control all your party members and they won't do dumb stuff. As Sharon Matt says, Persona 4 had a three-hour tutorial. So yeah, the whole game's a time sink for sure. Persona 5 also had a long tutorial. Uh, or no, per yeah, Persona 4 was the one that had the, re the really long tutorial. Uh, I mean, and Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth technically has like an eight-hour tutorial. Like you can count the first two chapters as the tutorial for the game. Yeah, so, but it's it's on Game Pass, so you can give it a shot. Uh, it does have Bobby Blackwolf mode, so I'm happy for that. Um, because they did take Persona 4 Golden and Persona 3 Portable off of Game Pass earlier this month. So, and I kind of knew that was happening. I had made it, I played like I think 30 to 40 hours through Persona 3 P Portable uh, on Game Pass and uh, then got distracted by Shinies elsewhere. I think Final Fantasy 16 came out, uh, which I also haven't finished because I get distracted by Shinies. And so I didn't get a chance to finish the, 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 the Persona 3 Portable, but it's not on Game Pass anymore. So if I want to continue and I got to pay 20, uh, 20 bucks for it. So, uh, yeah, I believe. That is all the time that I'm going to have with you tonight. I am sorry. And unfortunately, like I said, if you are here for Orange Lounge Radio, uh, your preview for Orange Lounge Radio is there is sadly no Orange Lounge Radio tonight uh, because of the massive storms in California that are going on right now. The massive winds uh, knock down power lines. Currently, Rob has no power. And who knows when he's getting power back? Hopefully very soon. Uh, hopefully you can get back, uh, up and running very soon because it kind of sucks to, to, especially like in a storm situation, like that's just even more creepy. So, um, you know, I, I apologize for that. So unfortunately there is no orange lounge radio tonight because of that. He had to, he made the call about 30 minutes ago. We, we held out hope that power would come back up, uh, by five thirty uh, Pacific time. It didn't. As far as I know, it's still out right now, and now's when OLR would normally be starting. So, um, unfortunately, no OLR tonight. OLR should be back if the power is back by next week, which hopefully it should be. Come on. Uh, but they will be back next Sunday night, even though there is that big thing. There is that uh, Taylor Swift thing happening on television next Sunday night. However, I will not be there here next week because... Uh, I do go out and hang out with people and people who I only get to see once a year. I, it happens to revolve around the commercials that air during the thing that's on television next week. So I will not be here because I'm going to go hang out with some people that I haven't seen since last year around this time. But you will have OLR next week and uh, hopefully uh, you'll have some fun uh, and, and stuff. And I, uh, if you're wondering, I do not care which team wins. Uh, so it's, it's all good. I don't care which team wins. Um, I don't have a, a hatred of either team, uh, or a love of either team. So, so it's all good. 
uh, the the Paramount Plus commercial was funny, and so I'm glad I already saw that one. So uh, I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. or not next Sunday, two Sundays, 8 p.m. Eastern. 5 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel. Come chat with us, interact with the show directly. I am at Bobby Blackwolf on most places, including TikTok, where I posted a video of that tin pin game bar I was telling you in the earlier, earlier, and uh, TikTok marked it as AI generated. And so people are like, why is this AI generated? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I guess the, it looked so awesome that TikTok just assumed it cannot be a real place, and so it was AI generated. Um, and so, uh, but you can find me at, at Bobby Blackwolf on TikTok as well as some other places, uh, bobbyblackwolf.com on blue sky where the skies are blue, uh, or on our discord server, vognetwork.com slash discord. Um, uh, Hey, if you like the show, tell a friend, if you hate the show, tell an enemy, I don't care. Just tell someone, uh, the show I know is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. Uh, but I do want to thank, uh, Groove is for Life followed tonight. Thank you so much for the follow and for chatting with us tonight. So unfortunately, no Orange Lounge Radio tonight, which is, uh, which is a shame. Uh, so we are going to be rating someone at the end of this. So I'm going to play the outro and then I will be back and we will pick somebody to raid, uh, for, for the evening. Uh, so thank you so much. I'm going to hit the button. Where's the button? There's the button. All right. Uh, enjoy, uh, the next couple weeks. And I'll see you on the other side. Take care. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.